Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. Good morning. Good morning, love, and a happy Labor Day to you. Happy Labor Day. Yeah, it's been a busy Labor Day weekend already. It is, and I tell you what, we had a thrill last night because we got to go to the Kendall County Fair in the Labor Day Rodeo, mm-hmm. and we got to sit in our St. John Lutheran box seats, and... <laughs> box seats meaning folding chairs just a little bit in front of yeah, the other yeah. seats. <laughs> and and we got to watch um, bull riders come flying out of the number five St. John Lutheran Church and School shoot. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, it but was it was very, very cool. scary. I don't understand why anyone would want to do anything like this. Yeah, and the first guy who came out of our, oh. our number five shoot, the St. John shoot, uh, looked like he was hurt pretty good. Yeah, he was. You know, the they, they EMTs had to him come off the field, and I mean, he was able to walk. But, yeah. Um, but that was exciting. And then our Matthew, uh, he won the calf scramble. Remember yes, that? the calf scramble. That, that was, was new for us. We've done. He's done new. mutton busting. Yeah. He, being the youngest, he gets to do all these Texas traditions because he's young enough for them. So he got to do mutton busting when he was little. He did that twice. And then last night he got to do the calf scramble, which we had not seen before. We hadn't seen that. I think they had four calves, and he managed to get the ribbon off the tail of one of them. So. Yeah, so, so everybody he, run. There's literally probably, what, 200 kids in there? Oh, it seemed like it, yeah. There were so many kids. running around all over the place. And they and just and run after a calf and get a ribbon off of its tail. Yeah. And you got 25 bucks. Tail? Is that right? Do yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, $25, yes. Which he had to pay us back for all the things he had bought at yeah. the fair. Yeah. So it was good and everybody was happy. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a great day. I, I really enjoyed the uh, going to the Kendall County Fair. I've, uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we've been driving by there and they've been putting that thing up, getting mm-hmm. ready for it for about a month. Yes. So. So it was fun to go to that. We had a good day at church yesterday. Uh, Pastor Jordan Long from the Lutheran Church of South Sudan was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I hear, I, he he's, uh, he reported to me that he felt like his talk went very well, like there was good interest from the church and good back and forth. Uh, I wasn't able to hear it myself since I had to preach. You know? Right. But we got to have dinner with him the night before. We did. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had dinner the night before. So it was very interesting to hear from him about... Mm-hmm. Uh, his travels and how he, what was it, he, he traveled one time to uh, Khartoum in North Sudan the day a civil war broke out. Yeah. And so he spent 10 days just uh, having his downtown area shelled and then he had to take a pickup truck back. And yeah, I remember that. Just Sorry. craziness. Yes. I did learn something from him though. What's that? Which might be helpful to other people. Because mm-hmm. I asked him, you know, what is, he's been to America so many times and actually his oldest child is living in Minneapolis where I'm from. But anyways, I asked him, you know, what's one of the strangest things he finds about Americans mm-hmm. or our culture or whatever. And he said that it's that when you meet people, the first thing they ask you about is your family. Yeah. You know, are you married? Do you have children? How old are they? And he said that's totally private. That's not spoken of at all in his in his culture. That yeah. just doesn't come up. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, because, um, because when he talks about other aspects of his uh, African culture, you know, it's all about uh, tribes and clans and lineages and, you know, this group of people and that group of right. people. And so you'd think that would be the first thing they would ask. Would exactly. Be, you know, tell me about who you are, your, your bloodline, your family. Uh, but apparently not. I know. And of course, that's the first thing I asked him. Right. So when he told me that, I was like, oh, so sorry. But he said, no, no, he's totally used to it now. Yeah. Because that's what we do here. That's very interesting, I thought. Yes. Okay. Well, this is going to be kind of short and sweet. It is Labor Day, and we are hosting some friends uh, today. So 
But I wanted to welcome, we have quite a few new people Mm -hmm. on the podcast this week, so I wanted to welcome you and let you know that you can go back. There's, we've been doing this for many, many years, so you can go back um, and listen to a lot of different episodes, and I've got that all in the email, how you would go about doing that today. Great. Yeah, but today we're talking about Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah, so Ezra and Nehemiah, so we're, you know, we're working our way through the Bible following the Crossways classes. Uh, and this is uh, the return from exile. So last week we set it up with how Chronicles kind of rewrites the history, mm-hmm. gives the eulogy, so to speak, uh, of David and kind of paints a good picture of it. And then now comes the return. And so I want to focus today on three things, the rebuilding of the temple, the Mm -hmm. rebuilding of the wall, and the rebuilding of the community. Yes. So the people are given permission by Cyrus to return in 538 BC, Cyrus the Great, uh, founder of the Persian dynasty. So the people return uh, to Jerusalem, and they find that it's uh, the city's ruined. Mm. It's still in ruins after all these years. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do is they rebuild an altar so that they can worship the Lord, uh, kind of like our ancestors, you know, as they were moving west. Often the first building they would build would be the, the church. Mm-hmm. They wanted a place to worship God. So they uh, they, they uh, rebuild the altar so they can worship God. And again, that's part of the Chronicles focus. That, you know, how do we make sure this never happens again? We'll make sure that we always worship God and never, ever stray from Him. Okay. Uh, and then they lay a foundation for a temple. And they lay down the foundation and they begin the work on it. But then things stall out. The locals, because remember that though the people, God's people have been deported to Babylon, mm-hmm. uh, the Assyrians, in, or the Babylonians imported other people from yes. other parts of their empire uh, to the Holy Land. And so there's still people living there. They've right. been living there for 70 years at this point. That's three generations, you know. Uh, and so they kind of take umbrage. They say, well, who, you know, who are these uppity folks coming from Babylon building this big old building to their temple? We don't like this. Right. And so they, uh, they try to stop it in all manner of ways, including lawsuits. And so there's three chapters of lawsuits that fly back and forth. I think it's uh, Ezra 4, 5, and 6, and which, to, which to me is interesting for two reasons. One is because, you know, it shows you human nature doesn't change. Right. People love to just sue each other in sue court. Sue each and, other. Mm-hmm. You know, trip each other up with red tape. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, and the other is these lawsuits are written in the, lang- the the lingua franca of the time, the language of the time, which is not Hebrew, but Aramaic. Yes. So most of the Old Testament, you know, 90 plus percent of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. But the Persian Empire was a massive empire stretching from the Nile all the way to the Euphrates. Uh, and, and so they had a, a common language called Aramaic, which was the language mm-hmm. of diplomacy and of business. Uh, and that's the language that these chapters are written in because, of course, they were lawsuits. So going back and forth. So a little detail. You know, we right. talk about how the Bible is written in three languages, and this is a handful of chapters where Aramaic appears. Right, and we see it again, what, in Daniel, and, of course, Jesus uses it too. Yeah, and I wish I had mentioned that, is that, you know, when we have the, what are called the ipsuma verba, the, the, the true words of Christ. So when Christ is quoted... And he's speaking what sounds really odd to us, you know. So from the cross, he says, "Aloy, aloy lema sabachthani." Right. To the girl, he says, "Talitha kumi." Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's he opens Aramaic. up the the, the ears of the man. Ethata. Those mm-hmm. are all. That's Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Jesus spoke Aramaic, which is this language that appears at the time. Hmm. So, anyways, <clears throat> the locals they they manage to successfully trip up the rebuilding of the temple. The thing stalls out for about twenty years, and after about twenty years, uh, God sends a prophet to say, "Hey." Where's my house? That prophet's name is Haggai. Actually, he sends two, Zechariah and Haggai. Okay. We focused on one. Uh, and, Zagai, and Haggai says... Can, <laughs> Zagai, Zagai, Zagai yeah. together. It's a good one. 
Uh, not to be confused with Haggis, who's the famous Scottish <laughs> prophet. No, let's don't don't add that. So Haggai. Somebody will get that. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, so Haggai. Haggai. Um, so Haggai the prophet, and he says, "Consider well. You consider well what you have done. Uh, you you sowed what you did not reap. You put your money into bags only to have it fall out. Look what's happened. You mm-hmm. know you're not living all that well. <clears throat> Things are turning out all that great for you. You know why?" Because you're living in houses and you forgot to, uh, to finish my house. Mm. So get to work. You know, rebuild my house. Finish what you've begun uh, and I will bless you. So that's the basic message of Haggai. The people listen. Yeah, actually, he's one of the only prophets that in yeah. his lifetime, um, people listen to him and they take action. That's a great point. Yeah. And you can see why. Because, you know, they, they, they recognize, uh, you know, we, we didn't really listen to your prophets before, God, right. and things didn't turn out so Did well. Did not so go well for us. Maybe we should listen now. So that's mm-hmm. what happens. Okay. And they rebuild the temple, and in the year 515, the second temple is dedicated. Nice. So that's a big turning point. And then there's this... Uh, and the second temple would be the temple that Jesus... Um, Yes and no. And so okay. the, so it's the second temple, which by the time Jesus gets there, has yeah. been so restored by Herod that's almost a different that's thing. That's right, yes. Uh, so it's not like, you know, the second temple is destroyed yeah, or torn down. Yeah, but he down, keeps rebuilding onto it. But Herod stuff. has such massive um, uh, undertaking, yeah. a rebuild, that it's, it's, they call it Herod's temple. Okay. I mean, it's, but it's it, not a third it, temple. It, no, it's not a third one. Yeah. Yeah, but it is, um, but there's a big difference between the two. Okay. Uh, and then, then a, a space of about 60 years passed that the Bible doesn't tell us anything about. Uh, and this happens occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people go down into Egypt and Joseph, 400 years passed. 400 years and of then, nothing. And uh, then next thing you know, you know, there's a pharaoh who doesn't know the Hebrews and he's throwing their baby boys into the Nile. Okay. So this is one of those spaces. 60 years passed. We don't know what happens. Um, but now the year's about 458 BC. And Ezra, who's one of these, um, he's a scribe and a priest. Ezra, still living in Babylon, gets permission to return <clears throat> to Jerusalem, check out, see how things are going, you know, uh, how things are going with a rebuild. And he comes back, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. he comes back to find, uh, he's horrified. So the good news is, you know, the temple's been rebuilt, so that's nice. Uh, but the community is still in ruins. Yeah. So let me read a little portion of that. This is Ezra chapter 9. Uh, and Ezra goes through kind of a long history, you know, repeating all of the, the various and sundry ways that God's people, that God has been good to the people and mm-hmm. they have turned their backs on him. And then he brings it up to this conclusion. Um, da, da, da. Aha, verse 10. So Ezra 9, verse 10. And now, O Lord our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, the land that you are entering to take possession of it, a land impure with the impurity of the people, with their abominations that they have filled it from one end to the other. Do not give your daughters to their sons. Do not take their daughters for your sons. Never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and all of our great guilt, seeing that you, O God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved and has given us such a remnant, Shall we break your commandments again and intermarry with the peoples who practice these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until, until you consumed us so that there would be no remnant nor any escape? O oh Lord God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. And behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand you. God can stand before you because of this. Mm-hmm. And so what Ezra finds is that he comes back and these uh, returned exiles 
have been marrying the locals. Right. So, you know, which the, always happens. Yeah, so the Jewish men are marrying the nice Gentile girls, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the Gentile men are marrying the nice Jewish girls. Uh-huh. What's the big deal, right? Well, two things. One is there's, you know, they've already lost 10 tribes to history. So there's only two tribes that are left. And now these two tribes are marrying outside of their ethnic group. Fast forward this a couple of generations, there's not going to be any Jews left. Okay. None of God's people are going to be left if they keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but more to the point, remember that in Babylon, they read and reread and studied and restudied all the writings of Moses and the prophets. And they saw time and again where God said, don't do this. Don't marry the local people because they will lead your hearts astray to worship other gods. Right. And so, you know, Nehemiah is just beside himself. He comes back. The temple's been rebuilt. But what are these people doing? Wait, Nehemiah or Ezra? Ezra. Yeah, Ezra. Ezra comes back. He's beside himself. The temple's rebuilt. But what are the people doing? The same thing that they've done time and time again. They're remarrying the locals. Mm -hmm. Next thing that's going to happen, they're going to worship other gods. And this whole cycle is going to repeat itself again if God doesn't simply wipe them off the face of the earth. Right. right? So he's he's really torn to pieces, and he has a radical, radical solution. He forces all of the Jewish men to divorce their Gentile wives uh, and send them away, the Gentile wives and their Gentile children. Mm. Uh, and it's a very harsh, what we would consider a brutal decision. Right. Uh, but from Ezra's perspective, it was necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a people few in number. They had to protect their ethnic group, their purity, okay. uh, because in the in, in, in the um, the strength of the ethnic group was the strength of the covenant with God was was the strength of their faithfulness to Him. Right. So, kind of a real sour note. Very much so. About twenty years pass. Another guy from exile comes back. This time, his name is Nehemiah. He also has permission from the Persian king to go and check on things in Jerusalem. Nehemiah comes back, he finds, hey, the temple is built, people aren't doing all that bad, but the wall, the wall yes. is still torn down. Uh, by this point, it's been well over 130, 140 years since uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians, came and tore the walls down. They remain in ruins. And of course, uh, a, a wall, a city without a wall is uh, open to attack. It would be like a nation without a border. Right? <laughs> Fancy that. Who would do such a thing? Who would? That sounds like a disaster. Doesn't it, though? Uh, And so Nehemiah rebuilds the wall, and again, the locals don't want it rebuilt. And so they try all kinds of things. Again, they fire up lawsuits. This time, Nehemiah is able to counter the lawsuits so that they don't go too far. Uh, They try mockery. They try bribery. Mm -hmm. They try ambush. They say, hey, Nehemiah, come out, and you know we we want to talk with you. But the place they, they uh, say they're going to talk with him is a place called Oh No, <laughs> which is never a good idea. If you're going to ambush somebody, don't do it at a place called Oh No. Is it just O-N-O? O-N-O. Okay. Yeah. could be Yoko Ono. <laughs> I don't think so. Which is probably even worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, and so the, uh, the, the, the city walls are rebuilt mm-hmm. in a, a record 52 days. And there's a great, wow. uh, there's a great image. Um, of the men rebuilding the walls with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And it's this image of how they, you know, in the very teeth of opposition, they rebuild the walls. Nice. Walls are rebuilt, and now the city is safe and secure. And so uh, the temple has been rebuilt. God's people have been uh, purified. They've been rebuilt. And now the walls around the city are rebuilt. So even though they have only a foothold and a remnant, still they're going to be safe and secure. And so the books of Ezra and Nehemiah end with this covenant renewal. So we've had rebuilding the temple, rebuilding mm-hmm. the people, rebuilding the walls. Yep. 
and now renewing the covenant. And all these themes kind of come back to play. So this is Nehemiah chapter 10. Okay. And I'll pick it up here. Oh, uh, it's Ezra. There we go. Nehemiah chapter 10. I'll pick it up around verse 20. Uh, I think it's 28. Okay. Uh, and so Nehemiah leads, I'm sorry, Ezra, who's still active in Jerusalem when Nehemiah is there. Uh, Ezra stands up. He leads this covenant renewal ceremony. And here's what the people uh, promise to do. They promise three things. So they say that uh, this is Ezra and Nehemiah <laughs> chapter 10, verse 29. Uh, so we will enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses the servant and to observe and do all the commandments that the Lord our God has given us. Okay, so we're going to keep God's covenant this time and we're going to keep it good to the end. Okay. So help us God, right? So then verse 30, they focus on three things. First, Verse 30, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. Right? Okay. So that's the first thing. That's that ethnic purity. Yep. Second, verse 31, and, uh, and if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. We will forgo the crops of the seventh year and the extraction of every debt. So the, other, the second thing they focus on is the Sabbath because that was the sign of God's covenant with the people and, okay. the, and uh, the Moses... Uh, the the uh, Sinai covenant. Yep. And so they say, you know, we are going to keep the Sabbath. This is the thing that distinguishes us as God's people from all the mm -hmm. people around about. You know, we're circumcised according to the covenant with Abraham. And every seventh day we rest according to the covenant of Moses. So we are going to keep the Sabbath. Okay. And then third, verse 32, we will take, a, we will take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third, a part of a shekel for the services of of the house of our God. Okay. And so third, we are going to make sure that the temple stays and that the temple is uh, funded so that worship in the temple can go on. And so then these become kind of the uh, the three pillars of what it means to be a Jew from here on out. Okay. Uh, there's the, the ethnic identity. There's the Sabbath keeping as a sign of keeping the law as a whole. And then there's worshiping God in the temple. And those three things become kind of the three-legged stool on which Judaism is built. Okay, but it's important to note that this idea of ethnic identity, of course, God's plan from the beginning was to broaden that, right? And we're mm -hmm. even we're about to get to Ruth, which is the point being that she's a Moabite, you know, right. and she right. actually is a predecessor of Jesus. You know, he comes mm -hmm. from her line um, because the whole point of the ethnic thing was to for them to worship the God of Israel, right? It wasn't right. about like ethnic purity as much as religious purity, really. Exactly. Yeah, and so Ruth is a good yeah. is a good um, example of that because she's a Moabite, but she says to Naomi, you know, your God will be my God. She fully comes along board with the Israelite religion. That's a great, uh, a great, great point. Yeah, is that the it's um, the the ethnic purity is not so much about keeping the bloodlines, but rather the bloodlines right. are, are about faithfulness to God. Yeah. Right. But you can see how easily, by the time we get to Jesus, you know, uh, 400 years later, by the time we get to Jesus, you can see how these things have turned and twisted yeah. uh, to become, you know, rather than keeping our bloodline pure because God has blessed us that we might be a blessing to others, they forget that, that part, you know, about how our mission is that through us, God will bless the nations, mm. and they just focus on themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're setting up, is how over the course of the next 400 years, uh, things will change, which is why Jesus comes and upsets the whole apple cart. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Very, and he has at least four people in his in the in the yeah. genealogy that are outside of the actual Israelite or Jewish heritage, right? Yeah, and that's I mean that's how the New Testament opens, mm-hmm. right? With Matthew chapter one, mm-hmm. this genealogy, and there's four places where you have these women with unusual histories mm-hmm. uh, who are highlighted uh, in Jesus' background, right? Yeah. Very good. Very cool. Okay, so do they have any reading assignments? Well, you know, next week we're going to look at five different books of the Bible. And so rather than try to um, rather than try to assign them, what I'm asking our people in Crossways to do is simply read the unit. It's unit 34, unit 34 in the book. And if you're curious, if you don't have the manual, mm-hmm. the books we're going to be looking at are Malachi, Joel, Ruth, Jonah, and Esther. Oh, all good ones. All good ones, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will get back with you next week. And have a good Labor Day weekend. Yes.